0: Senator Thompson indicated that somebody had referred to you as rock stars of the new computer age. Uh, It's probably not uh, what what you came to hear, but actually I think you're performing an act of very good citizenship. And um, I appreciate it. I'd compare you, I hope you don't mind that I'm not going to call you rock stars, I'd compare you more to uh, Rachel Carson, who... Sounded some early warnings about uh, what environmental pollution was doing to the environment and, and in the defense context you may be modern day Paul Revere's. Except in this case it's not the British coming. Uh, we don't know who's coming, that's the problem. I mean uh the um, enemy Yeah. Well the Chairman's question before was chilling. I mean, you you are obviously very bright and very uh very creative and work at this but if there's anything we have learned at the modern age is that you don't um you, you cannot particularly in this age particularly because of computers where knowledge and information travels so quickly uh... just as you have been able to do this at law there, there could be there are people all around the world who are able to do this and they may not be good citizens uh... they may be up for hire to people who don't wish us well so I appreciate what you're doing, and I I must say in this regard that it may be that the appropriate metaphor here is not Chernobyl, but uh, unfortunately Oklahoma City, where if we looked at it, we would have understood, and some did, that there was real vulnerability. to covert contact from blogs of war where each week your host john little takes a deep dive into the national security intelligence and technology stories that are shaping our world
1: all right welcome to covert contact episode 100 i am your host john little can't believe that we're hitting this milestone uh took far too long but uh, we're here, and I have a rock star of the computer age, uh, Scott Turbin, with me to talk about uh, the threats heading into the November election and how they impact uh, really each and every one of us, especially anyone who has a profile online. Scott, welcome back to Covert Contact.
2: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: So, uh, well, we we talk all the time about these kinds of things uh uh and this warning is um at least on the podcast is a bit overdue but you know we did shut down for a while but on you know as far as um you know on our twitter accounts and on our blogs uh you know you're you're an at blogger you're a um an infosec professional you and i have been warning people for years and years about um these kinds of things but i've i figured better late than never um we're heading into hack and leak season uh everybody on twitter um and other social media platforms are all at war with each other uh it's getting super nasty out there it's about to get a lot nastier uh <laughs> and we and we have um uh, we have a lot of threats to think about
2: it's going to get ugly i think And i think a lot of people need to uh kind of stop and think about their persona online, yes. um, especially if their persona is directly tied to their real name, their real persona. Um, how much are you giving away <laughs> to anybody who can Google you up? Um, especially in, you know, social media or LinkedIn or are you uploading your resume, uh, places, you know, that, that would be LinkedIn included as well as other places. And, um,
1: well, yeah, let's talk about Twitter for a second because I'm seeing really established professionals, distinguished professionals. Um, people that have incredibly high profiles, whether they're journalists or think tankers or, uh, even folks who are actively employed by the government, and they're, they're fighting like uh, drunks
2: at a, at Denny's at 2 a.m. right now online. Well, unfortunately, I think social media, Twitter, uh, just brings out the worst in, in all of us. And it, it's partially this disinhibition syndrome as I termed it years ago. Um, that false sense that of it,
1: sort of, it's not really anonymity, but, you know, you have that distance.
2: Right. You're, you're distanced. You're not in front of that other person. You're not saying these things directly to them. You're not seeing, looking them in the eye. They're not seeing you. Um, and there is a certain amount of um, direct disinhibition where they they try to hide their identity, right? You know, right. Twitter, you can make up any name you want and try to hide, you know, obfuscate who you really are and, and say what you, whatever you want to say and get away with it. Right. You know, right. Uh, for the most part. So it's, um, yeah, social media has really been a, a bane <laughs> to <laughs> to all of us in, in a lot of ways. I, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what are the pros and cons? Like, what are the weights here? I, I just don't know anymore. I, I think it's kind of more in the negative than in the positive.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been a constant struggle for me. I mean, I built a network that is, you know, you have two, like this, a global network that's really valuable and you don't want to pull out of that. Um, and at the same time, uh, there's no real incentive for good behavior online. Like, you know, if I was to unlock my profile and just start throwing bombs at people, I'd pick up, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. Um, hmm. and instead like you and I have done the opposite. I mean, I've cold my account of 50,000 followers that I, I blocked. Um, um, you know, mostly bots, but you know, uh, also folks who were just there to primarily engage in that kind of conflict. And you know, I know you've done done the uh, the same. Um, so it's it's a difficult it's a difficult balance. But let's focus on the behavior again, because this kind of conflict and this kind of activity that people get lost in. Which, you know, I completely understand, right? Like, this is an incredibly trying time in the United States. And there are, there are things to be legitimately, like, extremely angry about. Uh, I think the question is, um, does being angry on Twitter uh, advance your calls or advance any cause? Uh, most cases, the answer is absolutely not. Uh, and the other is it, it sort of exposes you to risk, right? If you're engaging online primarily from an emotional sort of perspective, it—it—it it, um, it sort of increasingly paints a target on your back, um, and it makes you more prone to influence from others or, um, you know, um, compromised by others. I think.
2: Yeah, it's odd. Um, I was taking a hike. Yesterday, with a friend of mine, and um, we started kind of talking about QAnon and social media and and things, and you know, both kind of delved into the psychology, the dopamine hit um, of getting likes and retweets, and all that playing into the larger kind of arcology of uh, echo chambers and. What we're seeing today, what we've been seeing for a while, but really it's coming to a head. Um, You know, with the anti-vax, vax, the the, uh, no masks, unmaskers, whatever you want to call them. And I think there's there's so much uh, psychology as well as um, biochemistry going on that we're having this back and forth with that is feeding our psyches in a way that we feel we need um, even chemically at that point, it's a dopamine hit. You can really kind of feel that. And it's, it's a, just an Ouroboros, right. And it's even worse now that if you are paying attention and you are socially distancing or trying not to go out in public with throngs of people, um, your only communication it may be, you know, online, it might be Twitter, it might be Facebook or whatever so the the monster is right there always at your fingertips
1: yeah that's an excellent point Uh, the uh the uh pandemic and lockdowns and and all that has really forced everyone into primarily and you know an online uh social life uh also at the worst possible time
2: from uh, a risk standpoint right and we're we're reaching a point um that things are so just nasty Extra. There's so the, everything's so yeah. extra right now. Yeah, and the thing is, it's if you if you have a point of view, you put that point of view out. If you don't have a Twitter account that's protected, that you co- you curate who can follow you, then suddenly that can get in the hands of somebody who may um, start to mine your information. What we're kind of the thrust of this conversation is about what you've got out there. You know, where you live, who your family is, your significant significant others, um, all that kind of stuff can be used against you.
1: Yeah, um, and I, you know, that's, that's the point I was getting at with behavior when you're putting so much of that out there and it's so much of it is emotion driven. Those people who want to mm-hmm. target you that want to slide up next to you and, um, you know, build a relationship, possibly with malicious intent. It, it just makes it so easy for them. Like we think that everybody's going to, you know, like uh, online profiles are going to look and, you know, look like the enemy that, you know, we know that they're not in our, we don't want them in our echo chamber and we can block them. But if you're an of intelli- you know, a foreign intelligence officer or a hacker who's trying to social engineer people, you're going to take on and, and mimic in most cases, uh, and reflect back to that person, you know, the stuff that they're putting out there. So it's going to look like a friend, not an enemy.
2: Right. One of the um, the things that I have been doing up until uh, about two three months ago, uh, working on, you know, the QAnon stuff, doing research, and inserting myself into those forums, um, you have to... Look at the forums in the first place, get a gauge of the language, get a gauge of what they're thinking, how they go about, uh, saying what they say, and then mimic that in order to, to get in. It was the same kind of thing, uh, you'd have to do with counterterrorism work, uh, with jihadis, um, understand them to relate with them to, uh, you know, get that information you need, right? And doing it online, yeah, it's fairly simple. If you find them, you do your your research and you do your work. You can sidle up to them and start getting information out of them. So the same can be said for anybody who's online who may not be uh, aware that the person that they're talking to is is maybe somebody looking to uh, get, gather information because of their job or some other personal um, information that that person needs in order to. Use against
1: you. People don't like to view themselves as being at risk. There's just like sort of this natural. Re- I mean, some of us uh, sort of live in this environment and really enjoy it, and sort of are tuned for it. But uh, I talk to people over and over and over and again who should know, like deeply, know that they're at risk, um, and they don't. You know, they think, mm-hmm. "Why me? Why would a foreign intelligence service pay attention to me?" Why would a politically motivated group inside the United States target me? Um, And if, you know, if you have a platform, if you have access, if you uh, if you're out there in any way, then you're a potential target. You may only be uh, a small fish that um, uh, that uh, a hostile actor uh, pulls into their network so that they can sort of, uh, work their way up the ladder. I mean, that's a very common, common tactic, right? You have to start somewhere and any, any relationship right. that they can build. And, you know, unfortunately, um, people have tried to leverage me for that over the yeah. years. <laughs> I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, uh, people really need to come to grips with the fact that they're at risk.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I think that also the, uh, the, disinhibition syndrome you're on a keyboard you're on a screen you're not relating with these people directly the fight or flight thing doesn't come to play um i think people even just from the standpoint of uh getting fished or having their money stolen through you know something like that or getting somebody getting on your system and and taking control and then you know stealing stuff from you, stealing your information to use to, to make bank accounts or, you know, take out loans and stuff. It's it's all very uh, arcane because they don't understand the technology. They don't understand that the technology that's in their house literally lets these people in their house, right? right. Their digital house. So, and I think a, a corollary to what you were kind of alluding to is um, when the illegals were were busted, the Russians... Um I looked at my LinkedIn and Anna Chapman was two or three degrees separated from me through people I knew. Yeah. On there.
1: Not surprising. Uh and I know <laughs> I know you have another LinkedIn story. So um let's let's pivot to that. So recently there's, you know, fairly big news today, uh, that a uh China was uh was using LinkedIn uh again like we've talked about to build these relationships to try to try to lure people with the notion of, you know, business opportunities, consulting opportunities, um, you know, the same same drill that, um, you know, actually I was just talking to William Tucker about this uh, in the last episode, so uh, anybody that listens to this show is familiar with, with that sort of approach. You and I have been warning people about LinkedIn for as, uh, I don't know, as, almost as long as LinkedIn and social media have existed. That. Uh, uh, I dropped my account a long time ago. When did LinkedIn start?
2: Ooh, yeah. 20, 2010, maybe. Yeah. Cause it was like 2012 or 2013 that they got owned
1: yeah. and all the,
2: all the passwords are dumped.
1: Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm not sure way back in the early days, I dropped my account because I had all these like Iranian, uh, engineers that wanted to, um, mm chat with me and really like really amateurish and you know you never know where these are coming from but they were the profiles even look like they were using passport photos like really terrible (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but you know um, so anyway I nixed that and um, I know you've uh, occasionally uh, use it for you know research purposes and things like that but don't really put a lot of your stuff out there but um, yeah, let's talk about, uh, that recent case. Cause you had a, uh, a brush with greatness.
2: <laughs> I had a surprise actually. Um, yeah, I, when I set up my LinkedIn, I deliberately tried to keep as much personal information away from it as possible and still have an account. So I only put in companies that I worked for in the past. I didn't, I never put in my current business that I work for good idea Uh, or any or anything. Yeah. So, but I would put in things like, you know, I was uh, working uh, for some think tanks doing stuff. I was writing, you know, I had the blog and and all that stuff. So over time um, when I was working for defense base, you know, I would see activity and I would, I saw those same Iranian actors uh, they were really kind of goofy yeah. Uh, <laughs> searching for, you know, sending in, in mail and stuff like that. Um, I also saw some uh, DPRK activity uh, because I was working for defense base. I had to pay attention to, you know, who was out there and what they were trying to do. And um, <clears throat> because of the blog, because of uh, who who I am online, you know, I guess they they're like, hey, you know, um, <laughs> come to find out now. I guess it was about a year or two ago. I got banned from LinkedIn for no apparent reason that, that they would tell me. Um, I think it, I think it's tied to uh, a post that I cross linked from my blog about some Iranian data that I found in the darknet. And it was about uh, actors. These these guys are supposed to be spies uh, and I had, you know, information in there that was pertinent. And uh, I, while I didn't post it. It wouldn't but, be the first time
1: an infosec professional has just been sort of mysteriously <clears throat> banned.
2: Right, well, the yeah. I, I, first time for me, but I, I put that stuff up there and I didn't directly post it on LinkedIn. I posted the link back to my blog. Well, suddenly I was I was banned and and they wouldn't tell me why and they wouldn't let me back on no matter what. It was like, okay, you know, so I left it alone. Um, the last week or two, the whole, Oh my God, LinkedIn is being used as a a tool for espionage was in the news. And, um, I started reposting stuff that I'd been posting on the blog from like 2016 saying, yeah, uh, here's the, here's these actors. They're out there searching for people on LinkedIn. If you put too much information as to where you work, um, and they're interested in you, they will reach out, you know. This is not rocket science, really. Um, you should, you know, think about it, depending on where you are and, and what you do and what you're putting out there. And uh, <laughs> so before uh, coming on today with you, I decided to pull up some of the articles because I really didn't I didn't pay attention. I'm trying not to pay attention to a lot nowadays because if I did, <laughs> I my no head explode, right? Yeah. yeah. So... I pulled up the, uh, the BBC.com article on uh, the Chinese agent that used LinkedIn, and I see a familiar face. Um, it's this guy on, online on uh, LinkedIn. He called himself Dixon Yao. His real name is Jun Wei Yao, And he uh, asked to be on my LinkedIn, <laughs> and I looked him up and, you know, I was like, well, I don't trust you, but okay, because I didn't have anything important on there. I was just really using it for the blog. And uh, he would, every once in a while, send me a message, you know, asking me a question. And since I was, I always thought, well, you know, I don't trust you at all, dude. And I kind of think you're a Chinese cutout. Um, I never really gave him anything important. You know, I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I'd throw out a, <laughs> a quip. And he would go away. Well, looking at this article this morning, yes. I had a direct connection to Dixon Yao.
1: Congratulations.
2: Yay, me. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, they can come from so many different directions. Uh, You know, I think the funny thing, and this is a persistent source of frustration for us, you know, this whole, you know, media explosion announcements that LinkedIn is now, you know, a, a vector for foreign intelligence services, you know, it always has been, it's not just China. It's not just this case. It's crawling with um, folks representing or directly affiliated with intelligence services all over the world.
2: Right. Oh yeah. It. it it's, that's the thing, you know, um,
1: and it's it's not just LinkedIn. I mean, let me make it clear: we're not just calling out LinkedIn okay. here. You know, LinkedIn has a particular set of of data that is attractive, uh, especially if you're trying to build a profile of someone and gain access. Uh, and also, right, like there's a there's a hint of desperation if you're on LinkedIn. Like, no offense, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, if you're trying to. <laughs> If you're trying to socially engineer, or you're an intelligence officer trying to approach someone, like you already know, like they're vulnerable to a specific approach, right? They want
2: an opportunity,
1: mm-hmm. and so that that's, right. that's a huge bonus.
2: Well, I was going to say it's not just it's not just intelligence people either, right? So yeah, it's hackers, uh, it's
1: anybody, it's criminals, yeah. it's uh, it's even right. you know even people that may not attack you, but. Um, you know, benefit from building a profile or access to you in some way,
2: right? Yeah, it's it's an intelligence gatherer's dream. In a lot of respects, it's a red teamer's dream. Um, you know, doing red teaming, pen testing, uh, kind of stuff. Where you know, I've used it in the past doing red teaming, where I built whole dossiers on um, corporate individuals who are having a red team against them done by us and I can put together a lot about them just from, from LinkedIn, but then you start spiraling out to all the, you know, all the other social media, look for their kids, look for their, their, their uh, significant others, you know, uh, family members, all of that stuff can be just harvested and, and through scripted process, um, you know, click, you're done. And it goes and brings it back for you. So, you know, it, it is, Something that everyone should consider, just take a step back and think about it as you're creating that profile or as you're updating that profile um, as to what you're putting out there. Is it important to somebody else? Um, could Could they use it to pivot from you to somebody else you work with maybe? You might not be the ultimate target. You could be the pivot point to get to know somebody else. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, you have to think about it like in the old, um, counterterrorism days. You, okay. This guy is related to this guy. How? You know, they talk to each other. They're, they're family members or they're of the same organization, you know, and try to work out the map. So, um, even when I've, I've recently had pen tests done for where I work, um, I have found people in the security infrastructure that, had LinkedIn pages, and they said exactly where they worked and what they did, contrary to what I had told them to do. (laughs) Hopefully people
1: are getting a little paranoid right now because um, paranoia is healthy (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. to uh, to a certain extent, right? Um, If you're listening to this podcast, like block off several hours, block off a day, a Saturday, a Sunday, whatever, look at everything that you have out there and look at it only from the perspective of like your worst enemy or an imagined foreign intelligence service or whatever. And, you know, red team yourself, right? That's like a, a good place to start is look at it and think, how could this hurt me? Do I, do I, you know, do I regret putting this out there? Um, does this, um, you know, potentially are these, are these dots, um, you know, able are they able to connect these dots and get somewhere else from them um you know go to search engines uh look for yourself put in information that you don't think is out there and see if it's out there like really spend some time thinking about you know how you're vulnerable and and try to attack that
2: yourself yeah seriously take a look at what you have and then think about okay why did i do that you know (laughs) what why should i not do that you know um, yeah, it's it's easy to be forgetful or to be to be oversharing. Um, I think people in in the world that I live in of uh, information security and hacking, it's kind of second nature to be like more private and try to keep things containerized. Yep. Um, and I know from the intelligence world that's definitely a thing, but you know. Kind of a segue for that now. Um, I, I when I was going back and I was looking at old blog posts, um, I did a thing in 2019 where I started looking at um, just just the keywords uh secret, uh TSSI <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of stuff. And I was coming up with droves of accounts that I could then like I could pivot off and Google and do other searches, do other OSINT, and see that they were real individuals; they weren't cutout accounts. And then go, "What are you doing?" I mean, yep. I even found SlideShare, um, right? Like even things like oh that. yeah. Well, just on LinkedIn, I found um, pictures and and information for Secret Service agents. One of them had a picture of him with the uh, the airplane the uh, whatever the name is of the plane um air force one um and he was on the detail why are you putting that out there (laughs) right
1: now uh photos photos is a really good um subject for us to touch on briefly you know um uh it's amazing you know um pictures worth a thousand words right uh it's amazing if you have access to somebody's instagram or uh, facebook any place where they just have a massive repository of photos like there's so much information there even even if you don't have location data in it it's very easy for uh, an experienced osin person to um, you know it's it's amazing what you can find out from photos down to you know um, not only the exact location but time of year and time of day and uh, thing You know, just you can go real deep on that. But it's faces, which can be really useful, especially if you have access to state level tool and you can process all those and start doing um, mapping identities and, and building networks off of that. Uh, but there's just there's yep. a tremendous amount of information It reveals a lot about your psychology, like what you're into, where you
2: go, just on and on and on. Yeah, you can really build profiles of people. Um, and get a good sense of you know w- what they might use for a password you know how they might go about it um, so you can, you can reverse engineer that kind of stuff we've been doing that in the, in the hacking penetration testing security yep. realm for a long time you know yeah. uh, but if you really kind of apply the psychology of it you can really get into some people deep yeah
1: yeah like if they're you know if um, they're posting you know photos of their dog every day and you know the dog's name mm-hmm. because they're sharing it. Like, you know, there's a there's a, a vector for a potential password. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that, yeah. the way people think, right? And you know, everything's a data point that can that can get you one step closer.
2: And and to think about it, it's the government today, the United States government potentially, that you know, law enforcement. Could be doing. It likely is doing the same kind of thing. I mean,
1: well, we just had um, a uh, DHS officer um, uh, analyst uh, released today. I uh, just saw this morning um, after building profiles of uh, journalists related to uh, you know events, the protest events. So, uh, mm-hmm. but beyond that, I think one thing that people don't don't appreciate enough is just with the envir- political environment in the United States, all these tactics that you know existed in in the hacking community and in intelligence and they're they're bleeding in increasingly into just mainstream like political activity and there's always been you know in a in sort of a uh, attempt in 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 political circles to like get you know information to dirty secrets and things like that that they can leverage against people but it's not it's not directed at just candidates or, or political operatives anymore, like they're going after journalists uh, at scale. And and really anybody participating in this that has a profile is a potential target and it's it's increasingly coming from you know your neighbor.
2: The motivation is there for whatever political reason or personal reason and it's easy today to even even get to get tools online. Um, with a minimal amount of knowledge, you can start really parsing through a lot of stuff and, and building these profiles and, and leveraging it, right? So in the political sphere today, with everything that's coming up to November, um, yeah, I expect the, the internal forces uh, that may be working, you know, for like the Trump administration, you know, not literally maybe or maybe literally, who knows, um, but at least the people who feel a kinship to them might use some of the stuff, the QAnon's uh, I, I bet, I mean, that they're using the same kind of tactics and techniques as well. So these, these October surprises that may come along, you know, data drops, uh, hacks, it's going to be a festival. Yeah. The, the bad news is, uh, if you're
1: trying to avoid an October surprise on a personal level, um, and you're just now thinking about it because of this podcast, it's probably too late (laughs) because Mm -hmm. uh, the material collected for the October surprise might've, the collection might've happened in uh, 2017, 2018, 2019. Um, uh, You know, so um, they just wait for the right opportunity to drop that.
2: But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you shouldn't take action now. Right. I, I think that what you were saying of going through all your stuff, and seeing what's out there, there's also a, a process that you could go through to respond to. Okay, what's the worst case scenario if this were made public, you know, in some way? Cool How do point. I respond to that? Yeah, um, awesome. it's kind of like that um, that scene in um, the Jack Ryan film um, where the president had a friend who was like laundering money for the cartel. And, you know, they're they're in the White House. They're like, well, the the press is going to come at you about this. What do you say? He's kind of mealy mouthing it. And then Jack Ryan says, well, just say, yeah, we were great friends. We were lifelong friends and just kind of give them nowhere to go. Yeah, (laughs) that kind of idea.
1: It's such an important point. And the, the other thing to do when you're doing that is don't just look at it from the perspective of, you know, your your own perspective. Like you may look at this and go, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. And that doesn't matter to an attacker if they can take what you've done and manipulate it, uh, even misrepresent it and craft it to make it look like you've done something wrong. Like they're not bound by ethical, you know, by ethics and there's not ethical behavior. You really have to think about it like an attacker.
2: Yeah. You have to do your own red teaming, as you said, right? Red team yourself. Red team yourself every day.
1: Um, every day. I start every every morning with a cup of coffee, and uh, spend an hour red teaming myself. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, don't want that clip used out of context. Uh, security basics. Let's let's sort of wrap this up with. You know, these are going to be tired to some folks, but it can't ever be said enough. Things like, you know, things that you can do. Um, You may want to fall short of like actually completely locking down your accounts. You may not want to do that for one reason or can't do that. Uh, But there are basics, two-factor, you know, password managers, strong passwords, not repeating them. What should people be doing right now to make sure that they're not completely vulnerable?
2: First, assess what's out there now, like you were talking about. Um, We know that it's the internet. If you redact it, it ain't going away. So do your damage control assessment of what's out there. Right. If you're worried about, well, everybody should at some point, because it uh, <laughs> seems like in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of um, data dumps. We have yet to really see them in the news, but Troy Hunt was saying he's overloaded with stuff. So I can imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of hacking, dumping going on. Um, if you are concerned about your passwords, you should be rotating them on a regular basis, uh, just like you have to do at work, they force you, you know, by computer to change your password. Do the same thing. In fact, you know what? When, when work says you got to change your password and hopefully more places are actually enforcing that and doing it regularly, um, then change, change your other passwords too and use a password safe, um, on your phone or, uh, write them down in, in a, in a notebook, you know, um, in fact, I, I advocate both, um, because a phone can get wiped by accident. Or you can have a, an update that kills it, you know, and, and then where are you if you can't remember all your passwords? Um, don't really recommend those password safes that go to the cloud, even though they may say, oh, yeah, we, we encrypt your stuff. Uh, we've seen too many times that's not really the case. So a lot of the password safes have the that you can turn um, to not allow it to back up to the cloud. Right. Um, in, in some of them, they actually, you can um, do a backup to another mobile device. So if you've got old phones that are still capable of at least Wi-Fi, then you can back up that database to that phone, turn it off, put it in a safe, and you've got your passwords uh, for, you know, as long as you keep them synced, you know? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to go about that. But I think I think the, the hardest part for people is going to be looking at what's out there, deciding what they can do to not share so much. And and have the mindset that you know, sometimes being paranoid—you know, thinking somebody's out to get you—isn't really just like insane tinfoil para- paranoia. It's just the cost of, of living today when you're online.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Even even that just doing that survey of knowing what accounts you have out there—like it's amazing how many accounts we can amass—and um, that we forget about. And everybody does it. I do it. I mean, I I've been very meticulous for years, but it's still—you know—there are still times when I. I'm in the middle of something and I have to create an account and I create a garbage account for something and and maybe don't use the service again. It, you know, ideally I capture those, but it's, it's really easy to have orphan accounts out there. And uh, the longer they sit, the more uh, vulnerable they are.
2: Yeah. And if you want to, if, 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 the if you can set up if you're setting up an account and you want it to be you know very transient in the way of like what email you use you can use one of those uh, email services that gives you an email you just click it for how many you know refreshes until you get the the verification email to set up an account and then you know you can go from there you can put your another account in there that you don't necessarily use you can create a new one you know you can go to all these different services and get a free email account that you can use to start these things up. Yeah. Um, yeah I, re- you-
1: I recommend that a lot that people uh, move to an email address that is anonymized. It does you know, it's not your name uh, and mm-hmm. use, use that consistently for, you know um, as many things as possible. I mean, at least it's something right. Like when you have, when you have everything attached to like your primary email with your name in it, it's a, it's an additional sort of point of exposure, I think.
2: Yeah. And the more you have that are, connected to your real identity the more you know possibilities um that you could get sloppy and then you could get in trouble right yeah
1: Uh, yeah. the frustrating thing here is like uh, sort of non-technical people this is where their heads start exploding because like there is no perfect answer at all um yeah. Uh, we have to engage in this stuff. We have to have accounts. You know, we, we can have too many and, and do things we shouldn't. But it's really impossible not to live and uh, not to have large parts of your life online, whether it's finance or other stuff. And there's no there's no perfect answer here. It's it's really um, you know the main thing that people, I think, can take away from stuff like this if they're not there already is the mindset and, you know, to think more critically and, and think about these points of exposure and then just keep at it. Like, don't, don't let it fall off your radar. Like, think about this stuff once a month or, you know, put it on a calendar to do, you know, a lot of services uh, now, you know, will like prompt you occasionally to do a security review, like, Get in the habit of thinking like this and doing it. And you'll pick up skills and knowledge uh, and capabilities to secure yourself along the way. It won't happen overnight.
2: Yeah, it's it's really um, something you just, it, you have to do every day. It's a way of life. With it, Yeah, you know, and like you said, unfortunately, it's what we have to do because you're online. Even if you're not really online, your stuff's still online. Your information, there's databases data lakes of stuff some some um, of which uh, may not have been
1: created by you unfortunately and may not right. have been under your direct control uh, and
2: uh, it's just it's a nightmare yeah you're your your buying habits if you if you get an honor card with any company you know shop that data if you if you don't like fill out bogus information for that then that's being tagged to you know you so an online kind of persona of your your habits, your buying habits, your geographical area—all um, that data can be harvested through those cards, through that you know scan of the barcode, um, the phone, your ads on the phone. I mean, it's just endemic now. Yeah. So, and that no stuff can something. be really,
1: really revealing, right? Like, oh, uh, you know, six months ago he started spending mm-hmm. uh, nine hundred dollars a month at the local liquor store. He's there three times right. a week. Uh, yep. You know every every two days, there's, he buys another half gallon of whiskey. Like
2: something's going on here. Yep, I, I heard a story about uh, a family and um, a father who figured out that their daughter was likely pregnant because of the the buying habits. And that's scary, right? Yep. I mean, you start getting stuff for prenatal and and all this stuff is coming to your door in the mail. You know. That's a lot of that's a
1: lot of power there. Oh wow, what a way to find out. I need I need some but, kind of like spooky music or something that I can cue up for <laughs> stuff like that. Oh here, this is this is the only thing I have keyed up right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the world we live in. This is where technology is gone. Like it's not it's not really going to, to change that dramatically and it's just this is the environment. So like I always tell people like don't don't retreat from, um, uh, technology necessarily. Uh, you don't have to become Ted Kaczynski. Um, but (laughs) you know, just, just be aware, just, just turn up that sensitivity to your own vulnerabilities up uh, a couple of ticks and, um, you know and then you can take advantage of this stuff and and put yourself at minimal risk but the idea of like complete privacy and like you know especially on like the financial side like forget it like that that, that's all that's all done with like there's there's no such thing as like complete financial privacy or any of that anymore. And it's not going to exist. And unless you know, you buy an Island with your Bitcoin and build your ideal libertarian society that's cut off from the world or whatever. Um,
2: yeah. And separate yourself completely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that sounds terrible to me. I don't know about you, but
2: um, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, it, it's wacky. And you've got like back in the day, it was sea land. Right? Yeah. The, yeah, I, uh, that, I, I've been tempted
1: I to buy a title of nobility from Sealand from time to time. You know they sell <laughs> they, they they sell those, and it's it's such a dumb thing, but it's also I don't know. Uh, yeah, the nerd in me wants one.
2: Well, it's it's um. There was a recent article in, I think it was Wired, uh, about the uh, the bunker in Germany that was the darknet host for a lot of the darknet that got taken down. And they had tried to claim the same thing as like Sealand. They made themselves their own country or what have you. Still got popped. Still, everybody got arrested. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, so yeah, it's still a thing. And people, I guess, try it, but it's not literally going to work.
1: No it never unless you're on the never works,
2: yeah, unless you're on the moon or something, and you're living there and they can't get at you, but they'll get you eventually, yeah. it's just a matter of time, yeah, eventually there'll be a, a rocket launch, and yeah, you know, they'll, they'll,
1: they'll just they'll just you know they'll just blow up your supply ship here on the ground um, <laughs> yeah you know, there's 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 always an angle um well, look. This uh, I thought we were going to do thirty minutes. We've done almost uh, an hour. That's kind of not surprising. There's endless supply of stuff we can talk about here. Uh, no. So I trust you're going to come back and do this again before too long. Yeah, anytime you like. Awesome. Well, thanks, Scott, and um, you know to everybody listening, uh, go do the red teaming. Go look at your stuff. Just do an inventory, do a survey, start writing this stuff down so you at least know uh, what your exposure is and uh, take appropriate action, and uh, don't forget. I'm telling you to wear a mask. Don't put your own life and the lives of your friends in jeopardy. And if you don't care about the lives of yourself and friends, please don't cost the economy $5 trillion. $5
2: trillion.
0: been listening to covert contact from blogs of war this podcast is produced written and hosted by john little follow john on twitter at blogs of war and join the conversation with hashtag ccbow thanks for listening